Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is a 12 days of the Comic Source episode. Hope you're all having a joyous holiday season. Joining me once again on the podcast is one of my favorite writers. You'll know his work from Dark Horse and Valiant, Matt Kent. Thanks for taking the time. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, I, I guess I should have probably mentioned Berserker, right? Like biggest Kickstarter for a comic <laughs> of all time. We'll yeah, talk about yeah. that as well. We can talk about we can talk about anything. Everything is up for grabs. Yeah. So, uh, and you do have your your Flux imprint, which was kind of how we got this conversation started way back in San Diego in July. So I definitely want to yeah. touch on that. You had some uh, a couple of titles announced for that recently, uh, but let, well, let's go ahead and start with. Uh, they're all terrible, right? Because that's a book that came out this week from Bad Idea with Ramon Villalobos, whose birthday, happy birthday, Ramon, from earlier this week. <laughs> yeah. It was a, a fantastic and fun uh, event. But uh, for people that aren't familiar, I know sometimes Bad Idea books are a little harder to get their hands on. Uh, this is kind of a fantasy epic, but it really kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of fun. So what, what's kind of the elevator pitch? How do you describe it? And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about the collaboration with Ramon. Yeah, I think... Uh what is the I, my totally went blank but what's the the uh seven samurai right <laughs> sort of was like the that's the initial inspiration for it it was like oh what if it's seven samurai but what if it's seven barbarians and what if it's what if there's like a sort of like somebody somebody really figured out everything they they tweeted about it this week they're like lord of the rings meets seven samurai meets um something else and it was a spot on i was like oh yeah it's all those a couple of things i'd forgotten i'm i'm influenced by but i've always loved conan and uh i think this book came about because i was bugging warren and dinesh i was like i really want to do like a barbarian something with barbarians and like conan something you know but with none of that continuity um but just a something like that because i'd never done anything like it and then this is the book that was sort of born out of that <laughs> yeah that was one of the things that i was struck by so it, it kind of has your trademark sense of humor but it is different i, I was like have i ever read anything fantasy that, that matt has done but it still feels it's still you know the kind of the tone like the way people talk um it still feels like your work and when they go to so basically everybody this this town in the sky this fantastical city in the sky you know very advanced and philosophical and they, so they don't they're not really fighters uh, but they're they know they're going to be attacked and so they they need fighters to come and defend them and so they send this guy out to recruit uh, a band of warriors to fight for them and they they go and they find this guy supposed to be the finest warrior duel is his name and things don't go exactly the way that you think they will <laughs> yeah, this, i'll say that this book this book has a lot of things i've always wanted to do and haven't done yet in it, you know? And so one of the things is the, and this minor spoiler for issue one is like, I love introducing a character, this amazing character, and then they're just gone right away. Right. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's funny. Um, and I think this is, I also, what's weird about this book is uh, I, like, I don't, I rarely, I rarely write a book where I think where I'm trying to be funny. Like if there's humor. It's like, because it comes natural or it comes like by uh, the circumstance or it ha right. just happens. Um, this is one where I, I kept thinking of like funny things to do <laughs> and, uh, or at least funny to me. It's, it's funny, dark, I think, but, um, and that's why Ramon's art is so great for it because it sort of, he sells it. Um, so it is kind of funny, but this, there's a twist, like there's a twist in this story. It takes a turn um, that I think makes it, 
it seems like light and fun and funny and action and humor and everything. And then there's, it takes a turn partway through, which makes it, uh, I think worth, worth having written, you know, and worth reading, you know, cause I don't, I'm not a huge fan of, of comedies. Right. <laughs> I have to, because I think there's always something, there's like a weight there that's missing or like stakes that are missing or, or like, a, you know, where there's nothing, at, there's nothing at risk. Right. Um, so I really wanted to do, I like, I like writing things that are funny, but I really think there needs to be something at stake also. And I think this kind of sort of satisfies that. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what, what the twist is. And, and Ramon's art's fantastic. He's got a real gritty style. So I think yeah. for a barbarian fantasy story, he was a good choice. Was he somebody that you had in mind? Was it, was it Warren and Dinesh that, that yeah. suggested him? Like, no, I knew, I, I knew his work. And then it's just, a, you know, Warren and Dinesh, they're, they've introduced me to so many uh, artists over the years that I've just, I've always been a fan of, you know, Ramon's one, Dave Lapham, who, man, I was like, I was starstruck. Like every once in a while I get starstruck working with uh, someone and Dave's one of those. uh, And uh, yeah, it's just like a, you can't ask for better collaborators, but yeah, no, this, these people are, they're people that I've, been a fan of and like oh that'd be it doesn't even occur to me that i'd get to work with them one day and then all of a sudden we're doing something <laughs> yeah you mentioned david lapham let's talk about the hero the hero trade which you know kind of the stealth first release of bad idea is still highly sought after and and we've had plenty of other glimpses into that world but uh you and dave haven't exactly been building anything that's like comprehensive or, or chronological we're, we're dipping in with different characters at different times and as we've had these B-sides and other uh, hero trade material, we're kind of starting to get a bigger understanding. So are you are you and Dave just dipping in here and there? Oh, what about this idea? What about that idea? Or do you guys have kind of an overall and you're just kind of picking and choosing points kind of on the timeline or on the storyline to, to reveal? Yeah, I think it's interesting with hero trade that started out as an eight-page idea. Um, and then I don't know what something's wrong with me, but I work on a thing and then I can't help but think of, you know, like, well, what's the world like? What's the universe? How do you, how, what would you do if you had to do another one? What would you do if you had to do like a hundred more pages of this? What would that <laughs> look like? And uh, so I built up like a whole, there's a whole Bible of hero trade, everything backstory and all these extra characters. And, and uh, we've been lucky enough to have Dave uh, available. And so we just, when he can do it, we do another one, we do another one. And then we did a, uh, they haven't announced it yet we did a bigger thing in the hero trade with the hero trade stuff um that's sort of a longer form story that they haven't announced yet um which is just insane (laughs) and uh but yeah so there's there's more to it and i think we're it's cool because we're just able to like pull back the curtain a little bit at a time on this bigger story and these characters and uh and then next thing you know you'll be like oh my god there's a whole the whole universe here <laughs> yeah what i'm really uh anxious to see we we did get one that had um it looked like some advanced technology captain fab recovery project like that's that's the part of the story. i was like wait so this guy chops up a uh, superhero so this the way the story goes everybody the kind of the premise of this world that uh, matt's created here this guy supposedly invulnerable you think he's dead maybe he's not but somebody somehow captures him or kills him thinks he's dead somehow chopping up his body and like selling it off grinding up the teeth and people are snorting it and they're getting powers and using his blood and, and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, kind of black market, right. A, a, a trade, you know, black yeah. market trade in, in heroes. So that's where 
It comes from. But then, yes. So this guy, somebody's selling it, and somebody's going to step in and go, "Wait, now we have to go get all this back." Like, could he be reassembled? Like, yeah. That just yeah. blows me away. That's how your brain works. That it goes that to that far. <laughs> if somebody's taking them apart, well, doesn't he need to be put back together? It's so funny. I I wrote every as I would write those. I wrote the first one, and then uh, just because it had sort of a fun twists, you know. And then it's the it, the guys in the trunk at the end, and uh, but I was like, after I was done, I was like, oh, this is kind of this could be a metaphor for working in comics, you know. I was like, oh, that's kind of not not intentional, but I'll take. Every book I've ever done, I never go in with it thinking like oh, it's going to be a metaphor for this or that, you know. This one, uh, and usually I do see a, I see a metaphor for something in it, or something in my subconscious comes out in the story, and that's then I'm like, oh, that's what it's about. I didn't know until it was done, um, and and I try to stay unconscious of whatever whatever it's really about in quotes until um, it's over with. But that one was it was almost right away. I was like, Oh, this is, Oh, I get it. I get what I, I get what I did there. <laughs> and then, uh, and so then that, I never thought about it again, but then the next one, as I'm writing it, I'm like, okay, well, what, what would this be the matter? If it's all comic book industry metaphor, um, what's this one about? And so then everyone I would write them, then it's in the back of my mind, which kind of irritates me right. that, I, that it's there, but every one of them, so, had been like oh well this is this is obviously the one where he's in the suitcase uh that's a metaphor for doing work for hire and you're trying to break out and do your greater own work yeah. <laughs> that's the metaphor for that one and i'm like okay well all right that works and then the next one and the next one and then uh i wrote this i wrote a bigger one a longer one and then and then i forgot you know that all these are supposed to be a metaphor for whatever and, and then uh um when i sent it to dave to draw i was like here it is i was like i don't know everyone's been a metaphor for I don't, this one is and i guess i i messed it up and then he wrote me back this long email after reading he's like no no this is it's a metaphor this is what it is and he had it all figured out i was like i'll be damned yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't what i that wasn't my intent but it's it still holds true still fits but uh yeah when we're done with those i, I i'm gonna write an essay about all of it and then about whatever i because i think it's kind of interesting you know it wasn't not how i started out writing it yeah i am i am curious how you know you mentioned meeting dave uh, and being a little starstruck i i'm kind of curious how he came to to be your partner on this project because it, it's a, his art style suits this kind of crazy and wacky story so well and the other thing about dave that people may not realize is he may be the best visual storyteller in comics like i don't think he gets enough credit for his his actual storytelling. So often, when I look at a Dave Lapham comic, I'm like, man, you don't even need the word balloons. It, he tells the story so perfectly without without any dialogue. Yeah, no, I I remember I was literally I was thinking about this today because um, I was texting him. I'm texting. I was like, this is so great. I'm texting Dave, and uh, but I was thinking about uh, Straight Bullets, and when I was reading that, how it made me feel when I was reading it. You know, at the time I was. I don't know where I was in my career as just beginning or, or doing my own mini comics or something. Um, but I remember reading Stray Bullets and the way that made me feel how um, inspirational it was because of the storytelling. And it was like, he wasn't doing anything flashy. Like the layouts aren't super fancy, you know, and like, it's like six panel grid and the eight panel grid the whole time, you know, and he'll, he'll break through that sometimes. But um, I was like, I, I just nobody nobody does that better and like 
as a storyteller, that's the thing that I'm most excited about, like how the story is told and how he's framing every panel. And, and, uh, it's like this, it goes beyond like, just like a beautiful page and line, you know, beautiful lines. Like I really, that's not the stuff I care about. You know, that's not the stuff that inspires me to do comics. It's the storytelling that inspires me to do it. And the way he lays those things out, you know, I reread straight bullets last summer. Um, cause I hadn't read it all at once. Uh, and I read it again. I was like, man, it still holds up. And he doesn't get enough credit. He should have all the credit. He is Hall of Fame level. Yeah. Um, and and uh, there's nobody better. And and what's great is like now I have a front row seat. I'll turn in a script. And then the art comes back. And was, he'll combine a panel. Like I've broken it up into six panels. And he makes it five. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw that uh, panel five and six. We could actually do it in one. And it works better as one panel. All at, all at once rather than beat beat and uh i was like I was like, I'm, I'm like it's like going to school and having this master you know teach you how to story tell <laughs> and, and i can't this is uh unbelievably lucky yeah here, i mean here's the thing and, and there's nothing wrong with this that there are kind of i think more than ne- the newer generation of comic creators they they do try to experiment with structure and style and, and the and again, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, whether you're breaking panels or you're telling a story backwards or you're jumping around, um, you know, you're not telling it linearly. Uh, and that's all fine, whatever. But the thing about Dave's work is he just embraces the fact that this is comics. This is sequential storytelling. You don't need all the flashy stuff that maybe somebody who's kind of less confident in, in their work, you know, might might mm-hmm. try. Um, he just embraces that it's, you know, yeah, it's five, six panels on a page and I'm just going to tell the story. And with Dave's artwork, and I've said this before, and listeners, you'll, this will sound familiar to you. The r- real magic of comics is what happens between the panels, right? Because that's what, what our imagination has to fill in. And the greatest right. artists in the world cannot draw something as, you know, fer- fertile and amazing as our own uh, imagination. So that's where the real magic comes in for uh, for an artist, to be able to prompt our imaginations to fill in those moments in the gutters that they're called between the panels. And that's what Dave does, maybe better mm-hmm. than anybody. Yeah, really, like a working cartoonist today, he, I really think he's the best. Honestly, there's only a handful of people that are writing and drawing their own things also anyway. And like, I think uh, he's definitely, he may be the top working right now. And that's why I feel kind of dumb, Mark, writing something for him either. I was like, what do you, you don't need, what do you need me for? Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, but I, you know, delete that part. I don't want him to ever hear that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, I really have fun doing it. Yeah, well, you're another one. You, you you know, especially when it comes to things like mind mind management, which you uh, which you did yourself. You know, wrote and drew, which yeah. you know, 36 issues and and kind of an epic. And I guess kind of similar to what we were talking about before, something you, ne- you couldn't necessarily leave alone. You, you've gone back to it. We've got another series coming out now, but this time you've got some uh, artistic help. So, yeah. I mean, is that is that something that you preferred? Have you gotten to a point where you kind of prefer to have to just just write and have other people draw, or is it just a matter of You've got X amount of stories you want to tell, and there's just not enough time if you draw everything yourself. Yeah, no, I I had to grow to like collaborating. I was not a good collaborator when I my first few collaborations were not good. You know, I just didn't I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't I don't like it because um, I really want to write. I just want to write and draw everything myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but the older I got, the more I realized, oh, I can't. My ideas are coming faster than my I can draw them, and exactly. so. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, these ideas either die 
or I learn to be a better collaborator, you know, or it's, you know, figure out how to do it in a way that satisfying to me still. Um, and, uh, and just be, try to be a good partner. And, and so I slowly figured that out over the years and uh, to the point where I do, I do enjoy it. You know, if, if you hit the right collaboration, it, the, it just sings, it's even better than it would have been if I had drawn it, you know? And I think the collaborators I, I keep working with um, is because I get that feeling. I'm like, oh, this is like, they bring a thing to it that I, I didn't picture it that way. Mm-hmm. And the way they did it is better than what I wrote when I, or pictured when I was writing it. Um, and so it's, that's like magic to me. And so I can get more ideas out there um, and just keep um, having fun. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'll never stop drawing. I just, now it's like, I had to pick, it's like the, the ideas are going by. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta time it just right. I'm like, okay, I'm drawing this one. And I jump on it and I draw it. And then time slows down on that one because it takes me forever and I'm still writing other things. Um, and I'm drawing, drawing, drawing. And then ones are going by where I'm like, oh, I wanted to, I really wanted to draw that one, but I guess I'm not drawing that one. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's kind of how it feels. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, um, there's no replacement for writing and drawing the whole thing. Uh, I think like, that's my favorite thing to read is when one person has put it all together and it's their vision. That's my favorite, uh, 99% of the time. Um, but it's, you know, that's rare now. (laughs) So, yeah, it it really is. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with Starhenge from Liam Sharp that came out this year, the last issue just came out, but I mean that, that, yeah, that was the same thing. He, he drew it. He, you know, digitally painted, uh, digitally painted it. He wrote it. He lettered it. Uh, there's a little art from his daughter here and there, but yeah, it was yeah. one of the best things this, this year. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I haven't. I, it's funny how little I read anymore of comics. Um, but when I do, I, I, uh, I guess I'm just picking like the ones that stand out the most and I'm always impressed, but yeah. um, what did I read? Laura Perez is a Spanish artist who I'm a huge fan of and, and, uh, but she's great. She writes and draws her own thing and their art's amazing. She colors it. And, and uh, I recommend that one too. I told him, I don't know. It might be in Spanish only right now. I haven't, it's not in English yet, <laughs> but yeah, I, that's the thing. There, we're in such a golden age. There's, I mean, I read, you know, maybe a hundred books a week and I'm still, there's still things I'm missing, you know, like it's yeah. just, you just don't have enough time. To- yeah, no, there's so much, you know, and there'll, there'll be ones where I've been, I have to hear almost hear about it three different places and, over the course of a year and then I'm like, all right, let me, what is this? Yeah. Let me check it out. <laughs> like I, I just now started uh, catching up on all the Brubaker, all the crime oh, yeah. books he's been doing. And I was like, I, I know they're there. There's a lot of them and I need to find time. And this last year, I guess last couple of years, I started picking those up and, and uh, those are great. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of uh, collaboration, uh, you kind of had to learn that skill. I do want to touch on Berserker because that, that, also feels a little different than anything you've done before, especially with the Ron Garney art. It's so action oriented and especially when it first starts out, but as it's gone along here, especially we start getting into the second arc, the second four issues, Mm -hmm. it starts to turn a little bit and feel a little bit more philosophical, you know, asking questions. This isn't just a a mortal, you know, barbarian son of a God or whatever that's out there, you know, ultimate killing machine. Like he's got questions about his identity, who he is, his purpose, and those are things that, like, those are human questions, right? Those are, you know, philosophical questions. Why are we here? What's our purpose? That kind of thing. 
So, yeah. But again, you're not only collaborating with an artist, because Ron Garney, as I said, is drawing it, but you have the co-writer, uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, huge yeah. worldwide movie star. So how has that been collaborating with Keanu on, on coming up with the ideas and, and writing? And uh, it, it just seems like you guys are having so much fun doing it because that comes across in, in work. Yeah, no, I'm, I, that was a unique one in that um, collaborating with an artist is one thing, collaborating with another writer uh, is something else, you mm-hmm. know, and I, that I've only done with Jeff Lemire. We've co-written a few things. So I, I'm glad we've done that because then I could figure out, well, how do you, how do writers, how do writers co-write? Like, right. How does that work? What is the choreography of that? How does that even happen? And, but he and I figured it out early on. We wrote, we wrote this Frankenstein thing for DC a long time ago. That was the first thing we co-wrote and we just split it in half. And then uh, we wrote, um, What's the other thing we co-wrote? Uh, the newest one, Cosmic Detective, is the one that came out this year, and that's that we by then we'd figured out uh, how to co-write, where we plotted together, and then we just broke up the scenes and we just typed them up and and put them and then stitched them together, and then right. Dave Rubin cleaned up the mess, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so we had figured it out. So going into the thing with Keanu, I was like, oh, I, here's a way we can do it, and. Uh, and so that was really like the first meetings were like, well, how, how are we going to work? You know, is this, and like, even the first meeting, I was like, is, if this is a scenario where I'm just, I'm just going away to write the whole thing. And then he's putting his name on it. I was like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't, uh, then I'm doing all the work and then, and it's just a weird sort of like, uh, I don't know. It just seems insincere. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the kind of project that's going to be, I, I don't, I've never done that. I'm never going to do it. And um, and then it just became clear that it wasn't like he was invested. He came with like a like a big idea, and and uh, and as he was telling me the thing, and then he kind of had an idea for an ending. I was like, it was like epic. I was like, well, this is a guy who lives forever, and it's like eighty thousand years ago. And uh, uh, I was like, well, this is we need like twelve issues if we're going to even come close to telling the story. And then even then, we didn't get everything. There's so many notes and things we've talked about and scenes we've we've built that aren't in the books because there's just no room for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, you can't, we sort of had to pick, you know, what we were, what story of all the thousand stories we were, we're going to tell. We had to sort of pick that. And then um, uh, it's been fun. And and like he, he put the hours in, like there's not a, there's not a page of a panel description or dialogue that we haven't discussed <laughs> like every single bit of it. Like it, it, um, and it's been, it's been super fun. I, I, it's been, that one's been unlike any other because you um, usually if somebody's like reading dialogue out loud or anything I've ever written and they're reading out loud, I hate it. It's the worst thing ever. Cause you, you're here. Uh, and it's still the case when he goes through and reads the whole thing. It's like, because it's obvious, like, Oh, that line doesn't work. And then we rewrite, we rewrite. So like he, he'll like read and sort of act out and, and do line readings for the whole thing which I've never had the luxury of having anybody do for anything mm-hmm. I've been involved in. It really helps. Like, I feel like it makes the the dialogue better and the scenes uh, more well choreographed and everything. And um, it's good. It, that, it, that was a wild project where like we kind of had the ending planned out. And so it's just a matter of what road are we taking to get there? And I'm trying to steer it and he's trying to steer it. And we're like, okay, how about this? And then, and then, uh, I added some things with cults 
because I thought that was a natural progression of what his idea was and and uh and I think it ended up being like a weird it's a weirdly personal story couched in this thing that you kind of expect it would be especially the first four issues that everyone's like oh this is you know this is Wolverine or this is what I was like yeah, yeah we we're all very aware of Wolverine you know and we're uh, so like know that we trust us that we're they're like we're aware of that and that we're not doing we're doing something else but that's okay people will find out <laughs> yeah we yeah. just finished yeah. issue 12 uh a couple of weeks ago the script for it and um uh, it's bonkers <laughs> like it's wilder than i than i imagined yeah i can't wait to, I, I can't wait to see how it ends and, and here's the other thing like you know i, I hope you, you, you talk so often about coming back to things i hope you guys do come back here's a guy that's lived for you know tens of thousands of years there's got to be other stories that you can tell right but but you're so right about subverting and having that twist because yeah in the beginning it's like okay this is a keanu reeves comic you know john wick matrix whatever i'm expecting all out action and yeah there's a little hint of emotion in that first arc already uh, mm-hmm. with diana but then that it really turns in the second arc you know with his mom and you know his origin and everything there's so much emotionality in the story that i i didn't expect and yeah i can't i i mean it's keanu reeves so you can't help but think well, I would love to see this on the big screen, right? Or the small screen with him playing um, yeah. the character. And that that would be amazing. I think he brings so much to the, you know, to the role. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, no, this is, we, we, uh, it, that's not gonna, this won't be the last thing we do. Let's put it that way. All right, fantastic. fantastic. I told him, I was like, look, if you, like, if you do one book, it's a fluke. If you do two books, then you're a writer, you know, you have to do yeah, at least exactly. two books. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And the other thing, him being so invested, like you said, I mean, he clearly is a fan of comics. This wasn't just a, like a vanity project. You know, he, he seems yeah. to really love the medium. Yeah, no, it is. And I think, I think uh, he realizes what, what the guys like me who've been in comics our whole lives, what we knew from the beginning is like, it's the most, it's the most safe place you can take an idea because you have total control of it and you have, control the final product nobody's telling you what to do or how to do it um like any collaboration you have is is one you've chosen and it's a very small group like if you're writing and drawing it's a group of one you know and with us it's really just a group of him and ron and then uh bill and on color and everything but um yeah it's a very small tight-knit group yeah it's been fantastic uh well let's let's try i got i do have to ask but let's transition back over to bad idea because ENIAC, which was the first Bad Idea book that was released. And so it, it had all that buzz. And, you know, again, something you wrote but didn't draw, but it still had that trademark whole conspiracy spy thing that uh, is kind of your wheelhouse. Uh, but again, something that it had this, I don't want to say open-ended finish, but it again, it's something that had the opportunity for more and it was asking interesting questions about who we are as a species and the things that we create kind of, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. <laughs> yeah. A lot of really interesting uh, questions. Um, looking back now, that it's been almost a year since it finished up. Like how gratifying is it? Like, I mean, are, are you satisfied with and gratified with what came out or, or would you like to go back to that world? Yeah, no, I, uh, what's funny is once the book comes out, I never look at it again. So I don't, I'm never gratified, but <laughs> <laughs> feels, I'm gratified as I'm doing it. And then when it's done and then when the book comes in, I look at it. Um, 
I feel gratification there, I guess. And then I never think about it ever again. Interesting. <laughs> but, but I will say uh, with ENIAC, I have, I have two more books ready to go, like two more four issue length uh, extensions of that story, that ideas um, that I could do, you know, tomorrow. I just, it's just a matter of time, you know, yeah. I, I, uh, I can't get to everything. I need to, I need to hire a, a robot to, to type, at least type them up. I was telling them to type it up, I guess. Yeah. I guess that exists now. So um, I'm just kidding. I don't ever want that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would go along with what we were just talking about. Be careful what you wish for just because you can't yeah. do something. Like if you could clone yourself, you know, should you? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That'd be terrible. Idea. Another one. Talk about, a, yeah. Talk about yeah. a bad idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, Michael uh, Keaton multiplicity or yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, please please no one of me is enough <laughs> uh well it's been great chatting with you uh and catching up matt i do want to ask you we haven't really touched that much on your dark horse stuff the the flux imprint yeah yeah and so, something that you're doing with other collaborators so that you know have time to get these stories out there are a couple of them that have been announced recently we have uh spy superb which I mean, just listen to the pitches, everybody. This guy is such a great spy that even he, even he himself doesn't know he's a spy. Like, how undercover is that? Even he himself. That sounds so great. Uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit, like, it, it, this is this just like the most Matt Kent idea ever? Has this one that's been rattling around your head for a while? I don't know. This one came about, I don't know. It's it's honestly, it's an extension of an older book I did called Super Spy, which is set during World War II, and it's very, like, grounded so like 50 short stories about World War II. And then um, I wanted to do a modern day sort of, uh, it, he's like an idiot, a uh, useful idiot, but he's, but it, like you said, is like, he doesn't know he's a spy. Um, so like, he can't go ahead and interrogate him. He has no idea <laughs> what he's talking about. So it's, there's a little humor in it, but it's still, it's again, it's almost like uh, um, they're all terrible where there's like, it's funny, funny until it's not funny. And then there's like more to it. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, with Dark Horse and my Flux House imprint, they gave me sort of like a free reign to do whatever I wanted to do. So um, as far as not just story, but like format and size and art and everything. So this one, Spy Superb, I thought it would be funny to do. Um, the issues are like 40 pages, so they're kind of fat. And then there's the cover, but then there's going to be an extra cover cover over the top that's like a paper bag. So it's disguised. So when it's on the comic book shelf, it sort of looks like a piece of trash. <laughs> so you won't you won't quite see it. And then marketing department was like, "Are you are you sure about this?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it'll be funny." And then the more, and then of course I'm doubting it. <laughs> so so in like when does it come? Out? I think it comes out in January. So if you see something that looks like a piece of trash um, on the shelf, that <laughs> might be my book. Uh, but please pick it up. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the format of that one. And then um, the other book they announced was Hairball, uh, which I'm I'm writing, and then I'm collaborating with Tyler Jenkins and Hillary Jenkins is doing uh, painted color on that one. And that's that's like a it's a horror book um, about an evil cat who's maybe uh, maybe trying to kill this family, and then maybe not. There's a twist to that one too. I don't want to spoil, but that one's. That was a little darker. That but, was from not not that your cats were trying to kill you, but a little bit of personal experience, right? Like you you loved cats, had cats, and then later in your adult life became allergic. Did I read that yeah, correctly? Yeah, I love cats. And then when I hit thirty, my thirties, I became allergic to them, so I still had two cats, and they just would like make me miserable. My sinuses, everything. I was just 
I don't know what happened. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and, uh, and then I took the test and they, on the allergy test, they like put drops on your arm and then they poke them with a needle mm-hmm. and then whatever and flames or whatever, that's what you're allergic to. So they did the whole battery of everything. And the cat one was just like a big red puffy spot. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess that's happening. So yeah. I, I have, a, I love cats and also cats make me miserable um so this it's a good book if you it's for cat lovers and haters you don't have to be it's for both of you (laughs) well uh again it's been so fun chatting with you matt we'll definitely be uh checking out hairball when it drops and and spy superb we'll remind all you listeners when they drop next uh next month to go and pick them up i think hairball is a little later right yeah hairball is i think march and then spy superb is first yeah so uh, well, again, uh, happy holidays. Hope you're uh, having a joyous time uh, out there in the Midwest. Hope it's not too cold. Yeah, it's all right. We're used to it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, to all you listeners, we want to wish you happy holidays as well, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa, whatever it is, hope it's a joyous time. And uh, we want to thank you for spending a little bit of your holidays with us. So, uh, Matt, you want to let everybody know where they can find you online or so active on social media if anybody wants to to ask questions or find out when work is dropping? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a uh, Matt Kent on uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the all of them. You can just find me there on my website, mattkent.com. I'm I'm reachable. You can find me for better or worse. You can get to me. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I'll put links to the website and social media in the show notes, everybody, so you can go uh, there and find them. So uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us as always, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.